well as a little more optimism in the markets, or is it just opportunism? Because the Delta variant continues to cause trouble, but shares are back up in the US. The Aussie dollar also sliding even lower, and more lockdown means a bigger hit for the Aussie economy, but we know that, so we're from here for the RBA and the ECB tomorrow as well. It's Wednesday, the 21st of July, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, U.S. stocks have rebounded 1.6% up for the Dow and the NASDAQ 1.7% for the S&P. Uh, the DAX and the FTSE 100 up a little over half a percent. Netflix, incidentally, have uh, just released their subscriber numbers, adding over 1.5 million subscribers in the quarter, way above expectations. But, you know, we have been sitting at home a lot, haven't we? So they've turned that around pretty quickly. Uh, bond yields in the U.S. have climbed back a little, just two basis points up on 10-year treasuries, though, uh, after yesterday's 10-point fall. The U.S dollar has crawled a little high, just 0.1% up on the DXY. The, the Aussie has fallen 0.2%, the pound down 0.4%, the yen one-third of a percent up on the US dollar. The Canadian dollar is the best performer, up half percent. The Aussie, incidentally, uh, did touch the uh, new low of 73 US cents. It's a bit above that now. And oil has climbed back a bit too. WTI and Brent both up more than 1%, although oil fell a further 1.5% before that climb back. So, well, markets are a bit all over the place, aren't they? Is there any logic to this? Well, NAB's Ray Atrill in Sydney can normally root out the reasons behind the chaos, although uh, he might be struggling uh, this time. I mean, uh, is, is this simply a case of nobody knows what's going to happen next, so people are taking a, a punt in all directions? That's what it looks like. Uh, morning, Phil. Yeah, I must admit, I am uh, I am struggling to make uh, make complete sense. I think, uh, you know, you had far more interesting things to talk about with Tappers yesterday. But yeah. I think, you know, one of the things that's been evident, and I think it shows through again sort of overnight, looking at, um, you know, equities having, you know, fully recouped, the, you know, the sell-off that we saw either side of the weekend, um, and commodities generally Really back in the ascendancy, um, led by um, led by oil, which is um, well, you rightly point out the Canadian dollar is one of the better performing currencies, but the Norwegian currency is the weakest. So, in terms of trying to make sense of the uh, the unsensible, go, go figure in that respect. But um, but yes, but equities up, commodities up. But then I look at FX. The US dollar is still modestly firmer, as you just mentioned. Aussie has sort of touched seventy three, but um, has rebounded a little bit. Um, and although bond yields have come back up. Um, we were down to what one point one three percent on the ten year so, bond. I mean, so, got a bit of it. I mean, but corporate earnings have still been okay, haven't they? So, do, do you think there's a bit of a uh, a bit of bargain hunting coming out of this as well? You know, well, there could be a little bit of that. I think there's also the sense that uh, you know when markets go risk off, you know, in the U.S. equity market, you know, there's a there's a blase view. Well, don't worry, the Fed will come to the rescue and rates will be lower yeah. for longer. So let's buy back into equities. <laughs> there is that, but I think in general, you know, the point is that sort of certainly equities and commodities generally. Uh, which have remained very buoyant this year are certainly trading more consistently or more consistent with the idea that you know the economies are going to reopen and that the reflation trade is not dead and buried whereas the bond market and the fx market signal has been completely different i mean they've really been trading as though you know we're going back into the depths of despondency that um, you know the reflation trade is dead and buried and it's going to be a long while before it comes back the reasons yesterday i mean the big concern was the delta variant i mean that was largely you know the fact that it, it's it's spreading around the world it's uh, now the uh, center for disease control in the u.s is saying delta variants account for 83 percent of new cases in the u.s you know, just a couple of weeks ago it was 50 percent. so we can see it's spreading even faster and almost two-thirds of u.s counties uh less than 40 percent of people in those counties 
have been vaccinated. So that is it's still a concern. And yet it's almost as though those con- th- those things that were big concerns yesterday strangely have all been cast off today. I know it is strange, isn't it? And, uh, you know, those, those statistics, I've read the same statistics and uh, quote of the day, I think, is from so Rochelle Walensky, who is the uh, she's the new Dr. Anthony Fauci. She's the, uh, the head of mm. or the director of the uh, Center for Disease Control is talking about a pandemic of the unvaccinated. Um, yeah. Well, one of those places, of course, which isn't vaccinated greatly is Australia. I mean, a huge variety across the United States, of course. But in Australia, I wonder what that, what that means for where the RBA goes next. Because, of course, you know, we've got the, the extension of the lockdown in Sydney and in Melbourne. We've got a new one in South Australia and uh, in and in Orange. Uh, you know, the, the, the RBA minutes uh, yesterday did suggest that, you know, they're, they're not completely wedded to the idea of uh, the taping of bond purchases from September. So with all these new lockdowns, surely it's taken as read that they're going to delay any tapering, doesn't it? Well, I mean, looking at market pricing and how it shifted from, uh, you know, from where we were a couple of weeks ago to now, I mean, it's a it's a very, very small shift in, in pricing for when um, the RBA might first be minded to raise interest rates, obviously, seems separate from the tapering discussion. But um, yes, yeah, certainly the minutes did, um, you know, did make the point that the case could be made for continuing with the, uh, you know, the prevailing $5 billion per month um, purchase program, even though at the end of the day, the board agreed to reduce that to uh, to four billion dollars a week, sorry, not per day, um, you know, starting in November, um, and we've had a couple of seemingly well sourced um, journalism stories um, either side of the weekend, you know, suggesting that um, uh, the expression was that, that you know the RBA could bench the reduction in in bond buying um, if you know come sort of August. Um, we're still in a situation where, where lockdowns are still having a clearly going to be having a big detrimental impact to the economy, which, you know, um, you know, our economists are saying, well, you know, it's easy to imagine at least a $10 billion hit to the economy, um, you know, given the situation in Victoria, but particularly Sydney and also now with South Australia in lockdown. So, you know, that could easily lob to sort of 2% off quarterly GDP. So um, and if we're still in this situation, you know, come August, September, it wouldn't be at all surprising for the RBA to see signal that, um, you know, for the time being, it is going to maintain the existing uh, level of purchases. So, um, yes, so, uh, you know, worrying developments at least, and, and this case is not, clearly not lost on, on the RBA. And what about the ECB? Because, of course, they're, uh, they're meeting on Thursday with all this uh, Delta concern. Perhaps uh, uh, they're going to be even more dovish than they were already. Well, I think, you know, Christine Lagarde has already set the market up to expect um, you know, a, a dovish message to come out of there, you know, in the context of this move to um, you know, a more symmetrical 2% target and suggesting that, uh, you know, more may need to be done. Um, you know, we're certainly not expecting them to say anything regarding, the, you know, the, the longevity of the, the pandemic um, emergency purchase program. I think that's still slated to end uh, by March next year or, or, you know, not earlier than March, but, but probably won't be extended. But there are still various tools in the box, including the asset purchase program. But whether they're re- ready to to pre-announce that or not, it uh, remains to be seen. But um, yeah, but looking at the performance of the euro, which has been fairly lamentable of late, obviously partly in the context of dollar strength. Um, you know, I mm. think the market is well positioned for, for dovish signalling from uh, from Christine Lagarde on Thursday. Well, the euro, yes, yeah, struggling. The Aussie is struggling even more, though, isn't it? So, I mean, I've, I've asked before where this is where this is heading, but it does every single time. It seems to be falling more than the uh, the US dollar is rising. So, I guess this is just because of the risk sentiment. Although, you know, supposedly 
the risk sentiment is eased today, and yet the Aussie is still falling. Well, that's right. No, I think that that makes sense. I mean, I think it's still the case that that, that generally the sort of you know, commodity, um, you know, pro-cyclical currencies have tended to be sort of rising and falling. There have been some ripples. You know, CAD, you know, can get some independent strength or weakness from the oil price. Uh, the New Zealand dollar got a little bit of independent volatility, obviously, from the shift in thinking on uh, on RB and Z policy. But in general, you know, if you look at the broader performance over a matter of weeks and months, you know, it's hard to tell too much difference between them. So I think at the margin, it's, you know, it's keeping a weight on top of the Aussie dollar in terms of local developments, I mean. Um, but, uh, you know, we've just spared a look onto that sort of 72 handle, uh, which I was expecting to, to see when, you know, I got up this morning. But, um, but the, the technical picture for the currency is still, you know, still a very negative one. And unless or until, you know, we're, we're going to see the US dollar reversing course, and that doesn't look to be an imminent prospect, um, you know, we have to expect that we're going to see more weakness ahead for the for the Aussie in, in the next little while, even though going back to the beginning of this podcast, and if you do, you know, if the UK experience does tell us that, uh, you know, we can get out of this and, and you know, within a, a matter of months, um, assuming vaccination rates roll up, there is a pathway to fuller reopening, then, you know, a view would still be that the reflation trade, you know, will come back to life. And at that point, we would expect the Aussie to, to similarly um, turn around and start heading back higher. Yeah, the problem in the UK, by the way, is that there's so many people now getting pinged by the app because they're out and about in the community. So are other people who are infected. They're getting pinged so they can't go to work. And so that's that's creating a, a bit of a labour shortage at the moment. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe ping fatigue is going to set in at some have we got peak pink fatigue and uh, people are going to start ping. ignoring the signals yeah, I mean, everyone just well i think people are they're taking the app off their phone i think that's the uh, how they're solving that one i'm not sure that's a good thing or not look we've got uh, we had uh, u.s housing starts yesterday I, I just wonder how important numbers like this are right now when there's uh, you know the, the the real big issue is infection rates and uh, hospitalizations but u.s housing starts were up a little more than expected but housing per, building permits were quite a bit less than expected now of course, I mean, the building permits of you know obviously for builds further down the, the pipeline so what does that tell us i mean i i would have thought that that means things are slowing down right. or maybe maybe there's labor right. shortages so people aren't putting in those well, permits. i think in short the um you know we'd say that the housing starts rise is is noise and the building permits is probably signal because the trend permits tend not to be as volatile month to month as starts because you have all sorts of things like weather etc you know causing volatility in starts but the permits have been trending down for several months now and it's sort of preceded by you know, a fairly big decline in mortgage applications once those sort of longer term US bond yields um, started rising in the first quarter of the year yeah. that immediately shows up in uh, in lower mortgage applications given as we said before the majority of, of mortgages are for 30 years in the US um, you know and that's starting to play through now into uh, so, yeah. so weakening demand is, is the underlying theme and, and certainly the areas coming out of the tires of what has been the strongest performing uh, sector of the US economy for, for most of last year so um, and the infrastructure bill they are still trying to push this through I mean we thought it was all sorted out you know it was agreed in principle a month ago but um, they haven't quite agreed how to pay for it and they're hoping to reach a deal this week but it seems they, they won't it's probably going to get delayed till Monday. Uh, I mean, is there any interest in, in on this in the markets? I mean, uh, there's, there's bigger fish to fry, I guess. But there again, you know, another rejection in cash. Obviously, it's going to help. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So, the, so the backdrop there is that um, Chuck Schumer, who's the Senate Majority Leader, was hoping to bring a what they call a test bill to the uh, to the floor of the Senate um, on Wednesday. Um, so later tonight, effectively. But that's already it's been pulled, I think, because the, you know. 
that the soundings are that it's not going to pass. This, remember, is the $579 billion bipartisan bill that was agreed by a, a, a subgroup of, 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 of senators from both sides of the aisle, um, you know, and sits separately to that $3.5 trillion you know, longer-term um, spending bill that uh, the President Biden outlined a few weeks ago. But I think the important point for markets is that effectively, you know, both the infrastructure bill and the $3.5 billion spending bill are, are both expected effectively to be self-funding. So from the point of view, you know, of what it means to the economy, clearly if, you know, if we're going to see $580 billion worth of infrastructure spending in the next few years, that, that, that means a lot in terms of, you know, what it might do to, to help support commodity prices, et cetera. But um, in terms of its macro impact, unlike the things like the Biden stimulus plan, which was all funded through uh, issuing bonds, um, and obviously the, the Fed effectively printing a lot of money to pay for some of those <laughs> implicitly, um, you know, this isn't going to be net a net fiscal impulse, if you like. So in that sense, yes, I'm less excited about Peter and Paul changing their, changing their money, isn't it? That, that's all that's happening there is what you're saying, I think, isn't it? Look, Aussie retail sales, we uh, we don't expect too much from them, of course, given that we're in lockdown. But uh, later on today, uh, we get those numbers and worse to come, of course, because those July numbers are going to look pretty bad, aren't they? What, what are we expecting today? And, uh, you know, while we're talking about that, quickly consumer confidence uh, wasn't as a big surprise yesterday was it although uh, the biggest drop was in south australia uh, interestingly south <laughs> australia has now gone into lockdown they must have known something yeah no i think that the, the, you know the message today is going to be that uh, however bad num- the numbers are today and we think they will be because they will have uh, been impacted by um, you know the early stages of uh, of lockdown and we're looking for a like minus 1.3% the market's around minus 0.7 um, but i think the, you know the, the real sort of say horror story retail is going to be july obviously with um, you know, Australia, New South Wales, having been in full lockdown for most of the month, and then the, the Perth and, and Brisbane, and now the Victoria lockdown. So, um, you know, however bad the numbers are today, and we do expect they'll have a, a minus sign in front of them, I think there's worse to come in July. And the consumer confidence figures, as you mentioned, which were for uh, for the last week, so effectively covering the lockdown in um, in parts of uh, uh, all of New South Wales and parts of Melbourne, are certainly already telling us to expect weakness ahead. All right. Uh, thanks for that, Ray. We'll catch you again soon. Thanks, That's Phil. Ray Actual. I'm Phil Dobby. I'm back again tomorrow morning for another one, another edition of the Morning Call from NAB. I'll see you then. Thanks for listening.